Center podcast. On today's episode of our daily NYFF 59 edition, NYFF director Eugene Hernandez sits down with director Denis Villeneuve and composer Hans Zimmer to discuss Dune, a selection in the spotlight section of this year's festival. A mythic and emotionally charged hero's journey, Dune tells the story of Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, who must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, a commodity capable of unlocking humanity's greatest potential, only those who can conquer their fear will survive. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Zendaya, Chang Chen, Charlotte Rampling, Jason Momoa, and Javier Bardem lead the all-star ensemble in visionary filmmaker Denis Villeneuve's adaptation of Frank Herbert's seminal novel. To learn more about this year's NYFF, visit filmlink.org. Enjoy this conversation with Denis Villeneuve and Hans Zimmer. Evening all. Thank you very much for the warm welcome. Anyway, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for coming. I mean, thank you very much for being an audience in a cinema. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice, right? Yeah, really great. Yeah, it feels almost normal. <laughs> <laughs> you said at the beginning, Denis, that uh, this movie was made to be seen like this. Mm. It must be really special to have it. Oh, no, the opportunity. No, yeah, 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 definitely. It's just that I strongly believe that uh, the that size of the screen is part of the language, you know, that is part of the cinematic language, the way the movie was shot, edited, scored, sound design, everything was made to be experienced in a theater. And that's why I'm so grateful to the gods of cinema to allow us to have this experience tonight. <laughs> <laughs> So is our audience. Um, I I know that when I watch the movie, you know, I don't read the blogs and everything, so you have to for, forgive me. But when I watch the movie and you get to the end, and one of the last lines is "This is just the beginning," I think, "Okay, what's next?" You ask me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm responsible. The thing is that I said right at the start to the studio that uh, I I will. I, I was strongly feeling that to give justice to the book, uh, two parts were necessary, and then, um, but the deal, I wanted to shoot two parts in the, the, the two parts at the same time, but that felt too expensive to, uh, and 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 uh, I will tell you the truth. Remember, my last movie was not a big success here, <laughs> so. You always have that burden. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, the, the, the that was serious, but seriously, <laughs> uh, I, I will say that uh, um, it, it just felt right to do the first part. I see if it uh, raised enough enthusiasm, then we will, and that I, I thought was a, a deal. It was a good deal. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I, when you know, you know, you have to realize that I was waiting for decades to make this movie. So to have the chance to just make the first part was already a massive privilege to me. 
Very good. Well, let's so let's talk about the adaptation process of tackling this book. I understand that you read it as a teen mm -hmm. for the first time. Um, can you? There's certainly been any number of films influenced or inspired by or adapted from this this legendary book. Um, how did you? Tell, me, tell us what drew you to this story, first of all, and then how did you process, as you were tackling this particular version, um, navigating all, the, all that's come before? Man, the thing is that uh, um, the book itself is, is uh, uh, and Hans knows the book uh, 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 very well, too. It's like uh, it's a multi-layered uh, portrait of the 20th century that became just more relevant as time goes but went by. I mean, and, and uh, the challenge of, of uh, the adaptation was that uh, for the, know, the people who know the book, it's uh, a book that follows the thought process of several characters that uh, it's a very paranoid book where everybody are trying to find strategies uh, uh, to survive. And uh, the idea, and that's where Hans came, uh, uh, Hans' power is, is the idea that I didn't want to have voiceovers. Uh, I didn't want to hear their thoughts. So I rely on, on to acting and on to Hans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, really, honestly, I mean, um, Denis asked me very quietly one day, um, had I heard of a book called Dune? <laughs> and I think my reaction scared him <laughs> because I became very enthusiastic. And I said, uh, and, okay, so this is the honest truth, because you're saying about all the influences, etc., and you're talking about process. Um, when I read it as a teenager, 40 odd years ago, I, I made my own movie in my head. And I never saw the David Lynch movie, and I never heard the Toto soundtrack, and I never saw the television series or any of this, because I wanted to keep this in my head. But when Denis very quietly, there was something in the, the there was something in the way he, he said, had I ever read the book, that I knew he had made the same movie in his head that I was making in my head. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of our process was that um, whenever we discussed things, it somehow it was a foregone conclusion that we felt the same way about certain things. Like for instance, I mean, one of the things which were, was incredibly important for us was that um, the, the strength, the underlying strength, the foundation of this movie was the female, the, fe the female characters, and the fe so the female voice. In fact, um, she's here tonight, Loa uh, Kotler, who's uh, this yes. amazing. Like, what, where are you, Loa? If you so but maybe you left. There she is. <laughs> Please, ah, Madame. One of the extraordinary things that she did was she was fearless. I mean, there was this commitment in every note, you know, and 
you know, the, I mean, those are the things that Denis and I were hunting down right from the beginning, the spiritual, the the, the, the female, the and I, and I, th I think part of what we had was it's, it's just we we wanted to make this movie all our lives, and all we had to do is sort of stand there and look out, and people would come and join us in this quest, and they were enormously amazing and excellent, and <laughs> here we are, and you are the last part of this excellent journey, yes. Because we made it for you. <laughs> See, I want to, sometimes uh, we were talking about it with uh, one, there's a producer in the backstage, Tanya Lapointe, we're talking with, with, she was saying, when we hear Loire performance, which is out of this world, so powerful, and it's so poetic, and it brings so much uh, uh, sacred quality and the lyricism to the, the movie and a, a dimension of the passion of, of, of the beneficent passion, there's something very, you have to remember that was done during COVID time. So Loire was actually singing in her closet. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. for me, that's, that's, that's a testimony of how great an artist can be. I mean, <laughs> to represent the desert and all that power, power and, and uh, hidden under blankets and our, it's, uh, sorry. I, I, I have. That's I have, the magic of cinema. I have the most beautiful photo of her sitting in her closet with her clothes hanging down on her head, basically singing these amazing parts. Because, yes, I mean we we. It sounds like opera, but it's yeah. in the closet. <laughs> it's crazy. Sorry. Only a true artist can do that. <laughs> well, let me ask you. So you both read the book as a teenager, each of you. And I wonder what, um, what struck you about it then, and then when you went back to it so many years later for this, what struck you the same or what struck you differently? What did you see then and then what did you see now? You're asking me, aren't you, Katini? <laughs> My friend. Um, the bus, he throws me under. Um, no, I can go first. No, no, no. But 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 let I I, I will I will go I will go. Um, two things. When I read it, I was I don't I don't know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, something like this. And it it served me well throughout life. You know, for instance, the fears the mind killer. I mean, it. Ooh, man, I have stage fright. Ooh, every time I, every time I do a score, every time I play something to somebody, it's like sheer panic and anxiety. I mean, and somehow that book was was like like got me through some really terrible moments. Um, and here comes the interesting thing. So when Denis said, "Have you ever heard of a book called Dune?" It took. A, I was back at that place. I was back at that place when I first read it, and I and 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 I and I realized that um, I had not aged somehow. You know, the story the story gave gave me a moment of timelessness, um, and I think that's you know it's it's a pretty provocative. Let's be honest, it's a pretty provocative score. You know, it's like you know uh, oh <laughs> it's. <laughs> You know, thank you, Denny, for letting me do this and getting away with it. You go, your turn. I will say that uh, the the when I read it at first, your answer was better than mine. But I have to go. So, the 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 
it, it of course I, I read it at 13 years old so i identify with paul and the idea that he was like this boy struggling with a massive burden on his shoulder family heritage genetic heritage uh, religious heritage and then uh, um him finding solace, finding comfort into another culture and another and a foreign land. There was something very beautiful about those ideas that really grabbed me when I was young. Also, I was uh, uh, kind of into biology and science at the time, and I, I, the way Herbert was inspired by ecosystems and the way he created all the, those relationships between the uh, living things I thought was very poetic and very powerful at the time. Later on, I think I was more, more drawn by the Benedictine sisters, the idea that you can actually channel past voices and, and make something good out of it. I mean, at the time, maybe I was starting to struggle with neurosis or <laughs> the idea of <laughs> struggling with the problem of your pa the past of your uh, your genetic heritage. There's something pretty powerful about this idea that I deeply loved. So uh, it's a book that uh, when you read it, as well as you, as you're all getting older. But your answer was much better. The idea I that so. I heard recently a study that says that we are drawn, we are attached to the song of our teenage years because at this very precise moment, our brain, our uh, uh, more, um, how can I say that in English, uh, prepare more, more, they absorb things that later on you get that their brain becomes more lazy and that's why you're going to always back to uh, nostalgic to, toward your, those songs, you know, that you heard that create. I'm wondering is the same thing with books, Hans? Well, probably, but, but, you know, I, I love that you use the word nostalgic because um, one of the really, look, just, just um, one of the very strange things about science fiction or anything is name a science fiction movie that isn't inherently nostalgic. You know, they all are. They're supposed to be about the future, but in our hearts, every time we watch them, we feel, we feel some, some timelessness that we are drawn back to, you know? And I suppose that is our youth. You know, that moment, that moment in time when you, just, when you first discovered Dune um, is, is a moment you're fixed yeah, in time. Technically, you witness a snapshot of our teenage years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, technically, you're watching two very bad boys making movies. <laughs> Take home limited edition merch from this year's 59th New York Film Festival. The official NYFF 59 poster, designed by artist Kara Walker, plus original NYFF t-shirts, hats, and more, are now available. Shop online at filmlink.org merch or during the festival at Alice Tully Hall and the Eleanor Bunin Monroe Film Center. Let, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, you, you talked about the making a movie for the big screen, for the cinematic experience. So let's, let's just for a few minutes talk about some of the choices you made, uh, where you shot, how you shot, the decisions you made about the way you would uh, shoot and the environment you would shoot with or without green screens, these kinds of things. Help us understand some of the, the creative decisions you made. Yeah, I don't know, but that, uh, I would say it's more uh, 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 um, a lack of, uh, I wish I was able to shoot in, in virtual environments. My life would be so much easier. 
I mean, the idea that uh, uh, to bring a full film crew into the middle of the desert, I mean, yeah, we were able to capture things and bring back things uh, uh, with the camera that would have never been, uh, sorry, I, I'm being silly here, but the idea is that I can't shoot virtually. I need, I'm very, very old school. I need real environments, I re real sets. I need to go in the deep desert. I need to... Uh, uh, um, to uh, inspire myself, to inspire the mise-en-scene, to inspire the actors and cinematographer. A movie like this would have never been possible to be shot in, into uh, on, a, on a back lot, of course. And But uh, um, it, uh, the way we shot it, uh, this idea that a boy will, as he progressively go deeper into a landscape, will learn more about himself. It's a very introspection, introspective journey uh, uh, in relationship with the landscape. Uh, that I wanted the actors to be inspired by. That I wanted Timothy to live that process, and and uh, um, it's something that uh, I, I want. It's the way the book was written, inspired by nature, and I wanted the nature to be the main character of the film. So that's why. So thank you for that answer. And let me ask a similar question to Hans about the score and the music, because I want to go a little deeper. I was doing a little bit of um, research about how you. I read that you were, were thinking about the wind and the sand, creating instruments, well, the, um, the wind. and using the human voice. So can you help us understand these different elements, the tools you used in collaboration with the Well, it, it actually started off yet another teenage thing. And yeah. I, I want to be very, very careful about that you really do not misunderstand me. The first time I saw Star Wars was, of course, wow, it was amazing. I loved, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm such a fan of John Williams's music in it. But as a teenager, there was that thought that came into my head going, you know, in a, in a galaxy far, far from here, you know, da, 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 da. Um, why am I hearing strings? Why am I hearing trumpets? Why am I hearing horns? And, and I was thinking, so if if we are set in this in in this in in this time in a different time in a different uh, you know in a different space, shouldn't we have different instruments? Shouldn't shouldn't our instruments have evolved? So, to answer half of your question, half of the question is yes. We made it. We build a lot of instruments. I have a friend called Chaz Smith, who is a great musician a great uh, sculptor and a great welder, thank God, and he has an unholy relationship somehow with the Boeing and Lockheed Company and gets all these metals. So there's a lot of that. That's the half the answer. The other half of the answer, of course, is Loire and Lisa Gerard and um, people like that who, you know, are absolutely phenomenal at, at, at just being the, 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 these fearless instruments and, and, and doing things, you know, be, I'm asking things of them which are inhuman and beyond human and um, they just go and sit in their cupboard and do it and give us these gifts of beauty and grace and just enormous courage and great musicality. And thank you. We're reaching the last few minutes of our conversation. Um, Denis, uh, I want to get back to this question of the big screen and the cinematic experience because we've just spent the last two weeks gathering in this cinema and down the street watching movies together for the first time in a long time to be able to watch movies on the big screen. And you said something, you've been outspoken about the cinematic experience and I was so moved by something you, you, you said. I'm going to quote it to the audience. I strongly believe in the future of cinema um, 
that the future of cinema will be on the big screen. Cinema on the big screen is more than a business. It is an art form that brings people together. But the thing is that I believe that uh, uh, it's part of the human experience to have communal experience, to share. To, I mean, we, are, uh, we had been put on this planet all together. We are stuck together. And the thing is that, uh, seriously, it's the idea that uh, uh, the thing that since the beginning of time that we are like uh, want to gather together and share stories or music together or say we don't go to a rock concert alone. I mean, it's like the same. There's something about sharing uh, uh, a movie as a group of human and, and sharing that it's part of our, at the very core of the human experience. And I, there's not a lot of those that are still uh, with us today. I, I, uh, I, I strongly believe that, uh, and it's part of the language for me. Again, uh, when you shoot a movie for a, a screen of that size, you don't shoot it for iPhones. You know, it's like, the, it's, a, it's a, the way you, you shoot the, 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 death, the death of field, the, the way it's edited, the, the, the way we work with actors, it's, it's different. Choices. And the, the same with music yeah. and the way the sound design. I mean, it, it was really made for, uh, uh, it's not, um, um, for me, it's, it's about, you know, one of the great moments I had in my life was sitting in a theater like this, watching Lawrence of Arabia and 70 millimeters, you know, yes. and it's like, it's, it's something. Uh, I mean, it's like, you don't... Yeah you're a different human being when you get out of the theater after it's like it's 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 a uh, it's it's transformative experience when you are other people are. well i mean what, what you're saying is so i mean and the word experience i think is so important which is so different and um when when we were working on inception i kept thinking oh we're making a movie about shared dreaming and when i look at you and i look at you right now and and i was sitting amongst you I was I was having very much that experience that we were sharing Denise's dream. You know, we were we 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 were all one for a moment. For a moment in time, we got to be one humanity, and I think that's part of the power of of films. Um, the other part was when I started out. I, you know, it was transistor radios, and I fucking hated them. I, wa <laughs> I want big speakers, <laughs> and I still want big speakers. And, and, and so why get up in the morning if, it, if you're going to do something for something so small? And the, the thing I will say is that, don't get me wrong, I love streaming. It saved my life during the pandemic. <laughs> I'm, 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 it's a fantastic way to revisit uh, 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 the past, to, to go through cinema history, to revisit movies you love that, that you saw on a, on a big screen. I think it's, it's a fantastic. I love, love. I, I use it all the time. But it's, it's just that uh, um, I think that movies have to be born, on the, big, born in the, in the, on the big screen. And I'm, I'm afraid of the tribal, tri, tribalization, the, the segmentation of culture when you have like the Ulu tribe, the Apple tribe. And say, the, 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 it's like it, we are in times where we need to blend together and, share, and that everybody have access to this. I strongly believe, uh, uh, and I'm not just talking, of course, when I say this, I'm aware that I'm talking in the position on a seat of someone who just made a, a, a Hollywood blockbuster. I mean, not blocking other ones for everybody at first is going, that's impossible. Or you shouldn't be doing that. Or, you know, da, 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 da. you know, that's the worst idea I ever heard. I mean, 
and you fight for it and you fight for every bit of real estate and every frame and everything because you're passionate about it because you want you want to tell that story and you want to do this and look you guys in the eyes and say we did our best we really did our best and i hope i hope we reached you in some way and i want to say Thank you to Denis and to Hans for spending this evening with us in this cinema together. Thank you thank to our you. audience. Yes, thank thank you. you for thank coming. You. Enjoying NYFF? Don't miss festival selections opening soon at Film at Lincoln Center, including Todd Haynes' The Velvet Underground, Mia Hansen loves Bergman Island, the late Melvin Van Peebles' Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song in a new 4K restoration, and much more. For tickets and more info, visit filmlink.org.